Welcome to the Legally Sound Smart Business Show, your weekly look at legal news and questions in the business world. Here are your hosts, Nasser Pasha and Matt Stahl. All right, welcome to Legally Sound Smart Business. My name is Nasser Pasha. And my name is Matt Staub. Matthew Staub. And welcome to our podcast where we cover business in the news with our legal twists and also answer some of your business legal questions that you, the listener, sends into our email address, which is the following email address that I'm about to state momentarily, which is ask at LegallySoundSmartBusiness.com. It sounded like a... Uh a legal statement right there, the way it was separated out and took forever to get to the point. Yeah. Actually, I hate contracts that are drafted that way. A lot of the old school templates are that way that they use all these words that no one understands except lawyers. And that's why sometimes simple English is just so much better. That way everyone understands what they're actually signing. Yeah. Cut out all the fat and just make it straightforward. But eh, maybe we're getting towards that, that sort of way. I think lawyers like to use that language to look smart. I know I do. (laughs) Look smart, that is. Legally smart. There you go. Tie in. Or, I mean, business smart. Sorry, I forgot the title of our podcast. (laughs) Yeah. Legally sound. That's it. All right. For today, we we have the story about Kickstarter. For those of you who don't know, Kickstarter is a way to raise money for your idea, your business, your company, what have you, without having to give equity away. It's basically just you convince people to give you money, and that's it. It's a pretty good idea. That's pretty much it, right? Yeah. I feel the same way. Like People are just asking for money, and they set up some pictures and some kind of description of what they plan on doing with it. (laughs) That's what it is. But the thing is, in the past, they've had some guidelines and at least some minimum bars in place, and I guess they're going to get rid of these things. So they've lowered the barrier for entry, and in some cases, they've... When people wanted to post something on Kickstarter, they used to have to go through a process to get approved. And I think in some cases, they're even getting rid of that process. So from a business perspective, I don't know if this is good for the business model. Yeah, they're going to use these fancy algorithms that I don't think they're meant to replace the manual review. I think they're literally going to just try to make it easier. Because didn't we cover a story where this Kickstarter campaign or similar campaign, you know, they got hundreds of thousands of dollars and ended up being fake. And I don't know, that's not really answering to that. But what I think is, is that by making it an automated process with just not really a lot of oversight, Kickstarter is kind of taking themselves out of the picture and just being a platform for these items so that if there is some kind of scandal or scam, they're not going to be in the forefront of the story because it's like, oh, Kickstarter is just like Facebook where you know it's just a platform to put stuff on. And so Kickstarter can't be held responsible for that because you know they're not the ones that did it, which I think is maybe from a business perspective is a good thing, but in a way, it kind of disrupts the whole process of the principle of what they were trying to do in the first place. Yeah, and even before this, I'm sure they get people that give money and think they have some sort of equity in the company and have probably got upset about it and sued the company and Kickstarter. And I would think Kickstarter has all the guidelines in place and all the disclosures to let them know that you're definitely not buying into the company. But now if you're going to lower the barrier and it's going to be more chaotic, then I think it's only going to lead to more of those people just coming out and saying, hey, I actually own a fraction of this company. It's done really well, blah, blah, blah. It just seems like it's going to create more havoc than it needs to. Yeah. So should we tell them about the Kickstarter project that we're putting up? Or Yeah. Um, 
I forgot about that. Why don't you uh, <laughs> tell us about it? I mean, tell them about it. Yeah. So basically, it's funding of a podcast. And oh, yeah. So we just put it up and the podcast will be up there and you can donate money and it will go towards the podcast. Yeah, go towards uh, paying the talent and their expenses for traveling to exotic locations. And that's pretty much it. We really want to record a podcast in Europe. So if we can get the money to do it, it would be great. <laughs> a whole tour, actually. Um, and, you know, well, for their spouses, too, right? Yeah. Uh, the whole family. So airfare for four and hotels for at least a month. I mean, literally, like what stops people from using the money that way? Once the money's in their account, I know there's some checks and balances, but I just wonder how strict they are. It's a good question. I don't know what the specifics are for once they get this money. And I don't know too, you know, it's people that are just saying they're going to give money, but I don't think there's any legal obligation to actually give the money. I think it's just people that are passionate about these projects and want to support them. I think there's different ones. I think there's ones that are pledges and there's ones that basically goes into the Kickstarter account yeah, or like an escrow account or something like that. Well, obviously, we don't know what we're talking about when it comes to this. So we need either an expert to call in to the show or let us know what the truth is, I suppose. Yeah, we'll wait on that. In the meantime, we'll get to the question of the day. It's almost summertime. Well, I guess it's June, so it's summer to me. I don't think it's officially summer, but... Uh, can I hire some summer interns and not pay them? This comes from a financial advisor in Del Mar, California. Yeah, June 21st, by the way, is the first day of summer. Pretty close. So we still have some ways to go. Yeah, hiring interns and not paying them is probably the most classic example of mistakes that a lot of businesses do because they're thinking, okay, well, look, we need some help. Let's just hire a bunch of interns from the college and not pay them anything. And that's the best way to do that. And I know clients that do it, that were doing it incorrectly and how to change their model. And it's not necessarily the best news because you can have unpaid interns, but only under specific circumstances and, and under certain conditions. Right. And you have to go through some factors or requirements, however you want to call them, run through a test to see whether you can. Should we tell the audience what they are? Should <laughs> no. We- <laughs> No, let's just have them hire us and then we'll just forward them a link or they can Google it. The thing to me, it all kind of centers around value to me. So like an independent contractor situation is about control. Unpaid internships are about value. So if the intern is getting a lot of value out of it or more value than the employer, then it's going to be easier to prove that, yeah, they can be an unpaid intern. But if the employer is benefiting way more than the unpaid intern, that's when you're going to run into some trouble. Yeah, and I think that's true. And it almost seems like the, the Supreme Court gave some outlines on this. And it almost, in their opinion, it almost made it seem like the intern should be getting more from it than the employer in the sense that it's almost a detriment. And in fact, uh, let's just go through them really quick. There's six of them. So one is that the internship, even though it includes actual operation of the facilities of the employer, is similar to training, which would be given in an educational environment. Okay. So this is not a training program, right? That kind of brings me to another one, which says the employer that provides the training derives no immediate advantage from the activities of the intern. And on occasion, its operations may actually be impeded, right? So this, again, it's almost a negative thing. And there's no guaranteed job at the conclusion of the internship, meaning this isn't a training program where you're here for six months or three months and then you're hired. This is an actual internship, a learning process. I don't know. I missed a few here. There's one. The internship experience is for the benefit of the intern. 
I think you mentioned that. Yeah, we have that. We have the intern does not displace regular employees, but works under close supervision of existing staff. And then <laughs> the most obvious one, the employer intern should understand that the intern is not entitled to wages for the time spent in the internship. If you don't have that one, then you might as well give up. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I remember going for a law clerk position, which sometimes are unpaid or often are, especially in early law school. And I remember they would say, okay, well, maybe we'll get you a stipend or whatever. And even that kind of indication may disrupt that unpaid internship status. I guess I have spoken to people before who it was unclear whether they were going to get paid and they showed up to the job and just kind of worked for a little bit. And then they just, yeah. you know, a few weeks in, they went up to the supervisor or the boss and said, hey, is there, you know, am I getting paid for this or what's the deal? <laughs> That'd be something I would flush out right after they told me you're hired. Well, I think that's kind of awkward because once you miss that opportunity, it's like, okay, when do you bring it up? <laughs> but even waiting for more than a few days is pretty humorous. Yeah. That's always just the first question I ask in interviews is <laughs> actually they'll ask me a question. They're like, tell me a little bit about yourself. I'll sit down and be like, well, so how much does this position pay? So I don't even answer their question. I just ask them straight up. <laughs> or I ask, uh, so is this a position where I get paid or is this kind of a slavery kind of thing or what is it? That goes to our first episode. Wow, you brought it all the way back. <laughs> you brought it all the way back. I just was alluding to it. But I think the most common mistake is, and I think the, what to look out for is if the intern is displacing regular employees. So a good example is like I know back in law school, people were being hired as a clerk and they just ended up being a copy machine for people. You know, they would just do copies and stuff like that. That is not an internship or an unpaid in the sense that if they're just doing errands for you, getting you coffee, and it's, you know, getting you coffee's okay. But if that's their job and if they're just a what, what would you call a gopher, that's not an, a proper unpaid internship. And a very common mistake. Yeah, it seems like that'd be a huge issue for the TV and film industry because they always have yeah. all those unpaid interns just running around doing random tasks. They get targeted all the time for that stuff. A lot of times it's these bigger companies that you get a lawsuit. And why? Because once you make that mistake, you have to pay all their minimum wages that they worked. You have to pay for any breaks they miss, the penalties that go with that. It's a whole mess of, uh, of damages. So employment attorneys love it because they can take it on contingency with their clients and uh, get paid a hefty amount from you, the listener. Yeah. Yeah. So what was the question? Can I hire some summer interns and not pay them? Yes, you can if you do it correctly. Yes. Just read the Supreme Court case 330 US 148 released in 1947 and you'll be good. <laughs> It's good. I'm sure people not understand what that means, but. <laughs> oh, sorry. Uh, Walling versus Portland Terminal Company. Very good opinion and holding. You should take a look at it. 1947. I didn't realize it was that old. Yeah, actually, I didn't either. And as I was saying it out loud, I almost thought I was lying myself, but I'm reading it right in front of me, 1947. I don't even think they had a Supreme Court back then. <laughs> uh, all right. <laughs> I think that's it. We haven't told people if we do appreciate the iTunes reviews. So if you have a minute, go on iTunes and give us a nice little review. I think that's it for the episode and that's it for the week. And right. that's it for Kickstarter. They're probably going to go downhill after this. And that's it for your unpaid summer interns. <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening. Have a good one. Keep it sound and keep it smart. This has been the Legally Sound Smart Business Show with your hosts, Nasser Pasha and Matt Stop. The Legally Sound Smart Business Show is your weekly look at legal news and questions in the business world. 
Legally Sound Smart Business is a podcast that is intended but not promised or guaranteed to be current, complete, or up-to-date, and should in no way be taken as an indication of future results. No attorney-client relationship is created by listening or submitting questions to the podcast. The podcast does not constitute legal advice, but rather is offered only for general informational and educational purposes. You should not act or rely on any information in the podcast without first seeking the advice of an attorney. The opinions expressed in the podcast reflect the views of those individuals and do not necessarily represent the views of any other individual or business. For more information about the Legally Sound Smart Business Show, visit LegallySoundSmartBusiness.com.